lovely mothers and fathers of the planet earth my name is andrew and this is playful parenting a podcast dedicated to people who are trying to parent a little bit differently and looking for a place to work through some of the issues that come up in parenting with a play therapist and today on the podcast we are talking about telling the truth to your children about the world and What a strange and difficult process it is to have a being that you brought into the world or to have a being who is new to the world and is in your care and to go about figuring out what is appropriate to let them into because there are parts of being here. There are parts of the experience of being alive and being a human, both personally and collectively, even just information about what the world is like that we can all feel apprehensive about letting children into and that in itself is kind of a remarkable thing if you listen to the podcast that i did before this podcast it was about technology and the internet and ended with talking about how kids have access to all of this type of information these days any kind of information we all have access to all the information in the world all the time but that we feel nervous about letting them into that information we feel nervous about them connecting with other humans on the planet and much of that nervousness is for good reason but it is a typical conversation inside of my therapy practice just with people I know who have children, even when I think about my child getting older, of like, okay, when is it appropriate to have conversations with them about sex? When is it appropriate to have conversations with them about war and violence and injustice and substances that people use? And that's literally just a list from the top of my head. I spent no time thinking about that. All of that is to say that I think these kind of situations show up all the time in parenting and cover a wide range of different areas. And before I go any further, I think when we're talking about families in particular, or we're talking about you, if you're a parent and you're listening to this and you're thinking about whether or not to tell your child something, that as adults, as people in general... And I think we can also try to do this with our kids to to some degree as well. You are entitled to have a private life. You are entitled to have private things that you do. You are entitled to have private feelings. You are not under any obligation to share yourself 100% transparently with your child because that's insane. Here's one example of that. Let's say you're out in public and your child does something really rude or is just throwing a crazy tantrum or is just like mean to you, right? Like you ask them to do something and they're like, no, I don't have to listen to you. I hate you. It's in front of a bunch of other people. And maybe in this scenario, I'm just trying to be real, your first internal response is that you want to slap your child. You're boiling with rage and you want nothing more than to slap your child. I'm naming that to try to normalize that. A lot of people experience that initial wave of reactivity. And a lot of times it was the way that they were responded to when they were children. And that's just what happens sometimes. But it might not be particularly helpful to tell your five-year-old or your three-year-old or your nine-year-old that you want to cause them violence. In fact, it's not helpful at all. It's kind of scary to hear that when you're a kid. 
But if you're following some guideline to be 100% honest with your child all the time, I mean, sometimes there's value in finding a middle ground, right? Like you can let them know that you're angry without telling them that you want to slap them. But you even have the right to keep that private into yourself and have a reaction that's not born out of anger. If that feels possible in that moment to authentically act in a way that's not born out of anger. But I name all of that just to say that, say in my life now, if I found out that my dad didn't actually go work nights, that he actually was a cross-dressing burlesque dancer who had a cocaine problem and liked to make out with strangers. That's something that might not have been particularly helpful to know at age five, right? Like, I didn't even really have a concept at age five of, like, what happened when he went to work. I just knew that he went there and that he did something that had some value and that he was paid for that value and he had a, he had a role in the community outside of my house. But I didn't spend too much time thinking about what that place was necessarily or exactly what he did there or how he spent his day or who he spent his day with. Like it was all totally outside of my zone of awareness. If my dad had pulled me aside at age five and told me all of the, like if he had a bunch of secrets about his life, I don't think I would be able to really handle that. As a 35-year-old, I can make space for the fact that, uh, yeah, he's, he's a person who has interests that I don't know about, who has thoughts I don't know about, who has feelings I have no, don't know about, and maybe he has a secret nightlife persona. But I do also believe that he would have the right to keep that private, to have a private life, that there is choice in being an adult of who you share all of yourself with and what exactly it is that you share with them. There is a very large part of me that believes in telling kids the truth, that believes in having kids be connected to reality, that believes that when we're all connected to the reality of a situation and to the reality of our experience, that we feel healthier as a result, that we're able to move forward more assertively as a result, that if you're a child or if you're a person at any age, that you can develop and grow and change and evolve and not get stuck or trapped because a piece of you is left behind. And that piece of you is the piece of you not exactly knowing what's going on, but you're still having feelings about it. And you're still experiencing it, but you just don't know why and you don't know what it is. So I think reality is important. The more that we can bring children into reality, the better. But I mentioned the part about, say, myself being a child and not knowing what my dad did exactly when he went to work and not even having that be part of my experience, right? And maybe some kids I think are definitely different than this, but I didn't even spend time imagining what it is that he might be doing over there. So I think part of my hesitation comes in in telling children about the world, some of the hard parts of being a human, is that it doesn't always feel helpful to have a child be connected to something that's outside of their zone of awareness because I don't know if they really know how to deal with that or how to integrate that. Let's take my baby, for instance. There was a period of time where, pretty early on, where she clearly felt more comfortable with my wife than she did with me. When she would respond to her, smile at her, right? She At first, she wasn't even, a, didn't seem to be aware of really anybody ever, except when she wasn't close to someone. But that could be more about touch or physical warmth. But at some point, she became aware of my wife and would smile at her pretty early on, but not at me. And then eventually that became me. Now I'm included in that. And now it starts to include some other adults sometimes who she's she's known and seen a couple times she also was much more discerning at this point like early on you could pass her to anybody at this point it's gotta it's gotta be certain people or she's gotta be in the right kind of space she's able to distinguish between adults now but i thought it was really funny uh put her right in front of a cat it's like she didn't even register that the cat existed was not on her radar didn't take it in 
So she's like that with animals. We went to a one-year-old birthday party. She's around a bunch of other babies and little kids. Didn't take them in at all. Looking at all the adults around right? She's, she's aware of this world of adults who, who hold her, who interact with her, who she gets her resources from, who she gets her safety from. She's aware of all of those people. But another baby, it's like it doesn't even exist. It's like it's an inanimate object, unless it's like screaming or something. And then she doesn't like it, but that's more because of the noise and because she's overwhelmed. Now, I haven't uh, had my own child through the whole process of them becoming an adult and seeing that bubble continue to expand, 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 expand. But it's really interesting to me the different levels that it can be at. And you can see the level that a three-year-old's at, that a six-year-old's at, that a nine-year-old's at. And I don't want to group it too much into like, okay, three-year-olds are like this and six-year-olds are like this. But you can kind of tell and you can be aware. And there's a time, I think, for children when they start to encompass other children, other families, the places that they go to. Maybe they are starting to think about like their community at large. But even that that takes some time. I think for a while, it's just their own personal relationships. And kids can ask, ask a lot of questions about the world at large, but a lot of times just like sometimes they see or something they experience, or and that's what their world looks like at that period of time. So in the realm of like, when do you have a conversation with your child about a thing? Let's say that thing is sex or war or, you know, death. For a lot of those things, you can go by a rule of thumb, which is that when your child starts asking about a thing, that could be a time to have a conversation with them around that thing. That you might not have to have a conversation with them before they bring something up with you. Why would you go in and start to explain death and whatever your thoughts and opinions? Unless you've had like a near-death experience and you know what happens after you die, and then you could just communicate pretty clearly. Like, hey, this is this thing that happens. A lot of uh, Raymond Moody's work is very interesting and convincing on that topic. I haven't had a near-death experience myself so I don't know what happens after you die but that's a hard topic for many people sex is a hard topic for many people and you could go by the pretty standard thing of like yeah when they start asking you about this thing is when you could tell them about this thing when this thing starts affecting them and impacting them or it's gotten into their field of awareness kids do ask a heck of a lot of questions and they're probably going to ask you questions about this thing fantastic I really don't think that's a bad rule of thumb and there could be some debate about okay well I, if you're trying to control the narrative around something, if you'd rather your kids heard about sex from you, say, and not from their 16-year-old cousin or a bunch of middle schoolers or, you know, what, whatever, whoever, anybody, anybody else besides you, that's maybe another child or a teenager telling them about what sex is, then maybe you want to have that conversation before they start asking you about that thing. If you want to make them aware that they should be vigilant in a particular kind of situation because you're afraid that something is going to happen to them, then you might want to explain what that thing you're afraid of is, how they can act in a way to avoid that thing, and then who they can go to for help if it feels like it's a situation that they don't feel like they can manage. And a lot of that's just basic, like you're, tra you're, you're training your children how to be a person on this planet, right? They're just like a soul that's dropped here inside of a flesh sack, and you got to figure out, okay, what's good for you to know to thrive in this world and to be safe in this world? 
So perhaps there are times when, as a parent, you would want to, and let me let me just say for the record, when I say parent, I, I, you know, just anybody who has a mentor, parent, supervisory, just an influence who is a guide to a child in how to be a person. That's what I mean. Parent's just an easy way for me to say that. But so as a parent in this world, there will be times when you may want to have a conversation with your child before that child has approached the topic to some degree themselves and then comes to you asking for more information about the topic. But I do think more often than not, you can wait for your child to start asking questions about that thing. And then we can start to get into what does it look like to actually talk to children about this stuff. And I'm just going to try to do all of this generally. I'm not going to get into a specific conversation about how to talk about a particular thing. I mean, I might use examples, but I just want to talk about it as a whole. Because I think the process in figuring out how to answer these questions for children really puts us in contact with ourselves, in contact with our relationships to these topics. In an interesting question if talking about a topic feels uncomfortable when you're talking to a child if it's like oh explaining death to them or explaining homicide to them or explaining torture to them or explaining sex to them or explaining greed or injustice or politics if any of that feels uncomfortable, I do think it can be helpful at times to ask yourself, okay, what am I trying to hide? Because a lot of the times when something is comfortable to talk about, we can just start talking about that thing. We don't have to be very planned or programmed about how we're talking that thing. If something feels uncomfortable to talk about, it's probably because we can't just start talking about that thing without feeling uh, some kind of like hesitation or fear or scatteredness or anxiety about how it's going to go. And that could be because we're trying to hide something. I'll give an example first of something that I will probably hide from my daughter as she gets older, even if she asks about it. So there's something that strikes a chord in me. And by the way, I'm not saying my perspective on any of this is right. I'm just saying this is something for me because I think something comes up for all parents. It's just like, oh, yep, I would hide information about this from my kid. And for me, that's politics. When I see a child even expressing political views that are similar to my own or identical to my own, it makes me feel a little bit weird inside. It makes me feel like they're, especially if they're expressing like disdain for other people's opinions on like this sort of grand societal scale. I'm like, oh, I don't think my child at six, at seven, at eight is prepared, at nine is prepared to have intense emotional responses anger responses on a societal level, right? They're still focused on their family, focused on their friends, focused on their school, focused on their community. Like, I don't, I wouldn't mind telling my kid, it's like, yeah, we, you gotta not go in that river down the road because uh, people have dumped a bunch of toxic shit in it or something. Or it's just, it's polluted. And she might be like, oh my God, that's so sad that the river's polluted. I'm like, right? It is really sad. Like, why are we? as a species committed to destroying all of our fresh water to the point that none of it is drinkable. Like, that's an insane thing that we're doing. And I agree with you that it's an insane thing. And maybe she cries about it. And maybe she's mad about it. For some reason, I'm comfortable with that. I don't feel like I have to hide from her. It's like, why it is the way that it is. But explaining to people why people hate other people for thinking differently than them, for supporting a different person than that person supports, for having the kind of uncivil and vitriol-ridden discussions that can make up politics a lot of the time. I don't want her to know about any of that. 
until she's a little bit more solid, right? Until she's got a little bit more of an identity, until maybe she's a teenager and she'll come into more contact with it in a different way and maybe even feel drawn to have more contact with it in a different way. But not at 789, not if she's asking me a lot of questions about it. I would I would find a way, I'm, I'm not gonna craft a response right now, but I would find a way to, you know, answer the question but not say a lot. Now you could say, Andrew, you were just talking about letting children know the reality of the world and if it's really a tense time around an election or around a particular candidate or something like that, shouldn't you talk to your child about what's going on with those things and like yeah maybe you're right maybe I am just like rationalizing not letting my kid into the reality of something because I have my own emotional unworked out baggage with the political system that I exist in That's, that could be true it might even be true now that I'm saying it but I stand by it it's how I'm gonna parent unless something changes so it can be a helpful internal exercise as a parent it's like okay, I feel, like, let me think of all the topics that I feel uncomfortable talking to my kid about. So, all right, make a list of them. And exploring, like, okay, what am I trying to hide with that topic? What am I trying to hide with that topic? What am I trying to keep them from accessing and knowing about that topic? And for some of them, like how I just described with the political system I exist in here in the U.S. of A., you might say, yep, I have decided after thorough introspection that I will continue to hide this information from my child. Or you might decide, you know what, after taking a look at this, like maybe I have a complicated relationship with, let's say, sex as a person. You know, maybe it's a topic I don't feel comfortable talking about, but gosh, they're at a point where they could they could know about the reality of it, where I could find resources to find ways to talk to them about it, where I could at least present that avenue of approaching this topic with them before they do have this topic with talked about with somebody else, before it's talked about it in a way that I don't have any control over, before I haven't paved this avenue already of like, okay, like sometimes if you're opening a conversation yourself for the first time, say, it doesn't really matter what you say all that much. If a kid isn't actually expressing curiosity in the topic, it'll probably just be an uncomfortable conversation where they don't say very much. If it's not a topic they have brought to you to ask you about, but you're opening up the door, right? You're opening up the door and saying, hey, you could talk to me more about this. Here's a couple things for you to know. I think those seeds do land, and then you could talk to me more about this. But I got into a little bit of a tangent on something else there. What I'm trying to say is it's it's an interesting exercise to take a look at the things that you're afraid to talk to kids about and examine what you're trying to hide. And I believe that the process of doing that improves you as a person, helps you uncover unconscious content inside of yourself, helps you be an intentional person, helps you know what your relationship is to the different things that you have feelings about, and brings a lot of those things into light and brings them into clarity, and will probably make those conversations easier to have, and will also maybe give you some solidity yourself as a parent, as a person, and that that solidity also makes those conversations easier to have. And I do think that that place of solidity can be important, that I think a a common conversation that I can also have with people sometimes is like, okay, when do I talk to a child about a divorce, a family separation, something like that, that's going to happen, or that has happened, but it just hasn't been talked about yet. I think it's justified, and I think it's often beneficial if adults are able to find some solidity on these things inside of themselves. It's like, okay, this is the step that I'm taking forward. This is the concrete thing that I can express and name, and that it can be more difficult to invite a child into the confusion of one of those kinds of situations. That at the end of the day, let's let's even say there's a there's a member, there's someone in the child's orbit who's really struggling, right? Maybe they are an addict. Maybe they uh, have some emotional regulation issues. Maybe they hear voices all the time that tell them to do crazy things, so they're always kind of muttering to themselves and pacing around. If a conversation like that feels uncomfortable, I think we have to really ask ourselves, why? 
Being a human is difficult. Struggle is difficult and real. And arguably, a lot of the problems that we get ourselves in as a species are perhaps due to our ability to ignore problems and then to pretend that those problems don't exist. And that ability to do that, I think, can often develop in childhood. And I think if there are really obvious struggles happening in a child's orbit and they are asking about it, that there is nothing more helpful that we can do than to provide them with whatever knowledge that we have about what's going on. That conversation doesn't have to look like the same way that you would talk to another adult about something. But we're living in this time where we're trying not to be avoidant of things. We're trying to be respectful of our emotional selves. All of us. We're trying to be respectful of the emotions of other people. We're trying to make space for the variety and dynamic range of the human experience. We're trying to get in touch with the issues that are going on at the moment and to talk about them and to not avoid them and so that we can address them. And if that's the way that we're trying to live now, if we're not trying to live with as many secrets anymore, then I think it can be helpful for us as thinking ourselves as like a tour guide for these children, these souls who have wound up in a flesh sack and are now growing up and walking around and trying to figure out what this place is. Where are they? What's happening here? What are we doing as a species? That I don't think there's any need to hide in general what's going on here. That the more that we're connected to what's going on here the better and so that we can make it all more of what we'd like for it to be and that's it for this episode of playful parenting thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of the podcast if you would like to see more of my work go to barnetchildtherapy.com if you would like to support the show i have a patreon just it's findable i don't actually know the address for it offhand but it means a lot for those that support and yep i will catch you all next time thanks y'all